0: Good morning, everybody. If you would like to turn to John's third letter, 3 John, and handily, 3 John is the third letter from the back. You've got Revelation at the back. Just before it, you've got Tiny Jude, and just before that, you've got Tiny 3 John. Uh, 3 John is one of three letters written by the Apostle John. I'll talk about him in a minute. And uh, we're continuing our little mini-series just for a few weeks, looking at little letters, big truths. There's some tiny letters hidden away in the New Testament that just get easily skipped over because they're tiny and they get forgotten sometimes. And we wanted to spend some time on them just to make sure we don't miss all of, all of Scripture as God breathed. And we want to celebrate that by enjoying some little nuggets that we don't always spend time in. And that's what we're doing today. 3 John. Now, truth... David was talking about truth last week when he was looking at two, John, wasn't he? Truth is is one of the largest, in fact, it's the largest and most central kind of core element in philosophy. Philosophy is the seeking of truth, isn't it? And uh, that's all about the the meaning of life, uh, hope, the reason we are here right now, why we think and breathe. It's the search for the reasons, the why behind all that. And that's the kind of stuff, as humans, we've been exploring for thousands of years since we first arrived, And that search will continue, won't it? Um, But here's the thing. Particularly in this day and age, people need to hear this. Truth is not what makes you feel good. And a lot of people live that way. People decide what the truth is because it suits them and makes them feel better, or it's convenient, or it's comfortable. People sometimes decide what the truth is, even if it conflicts with reality. That happens a lot now. Unfortunately, bad news can be true too. That's the reality, but sometimes people try and live another way. But neither is truth what the majority says is right. 51% of any group can be wrong. Um, truth, truth is important. If you give someone the wrong amount of medication, that might kill them. Or if you get on the wrong plane, it will take you where you don't want to go. Okay? Did you book the right one the other day, Beth? <laughs> yeah, good. Well done. Good. Get on the right plane. Missing or mistaking the truth of why we're here and where we're going, mistaking or misunderstanding or misconstruing that or just missing it, the truth of that, that will ultimately fail you and ultimately bring disaster. That's what the Bible says. Do you know the truth of why you're here and what's behind it all? But as Christians, therefore, our, our core mainstay is that The truth is more than just a a fact that is right. The truth is a person. Jesus Christ. He said himself, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's the only way to the Holy Father in heaven who we should not dare even consider we should deserve standing before because we are not holy. Because of our brokenness and our sin and our stain, that's a stench to him, turning away from him in our hearts. Jesus has made that possible that we can approach the unapproachable God. He's the only way. He says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. So this battle for truth, um, it's, this battle for truth is fought, it needs to be fought uh, in the home, in the church, and in the world around us. In the home, in the church, simply because it keeps us close to Christ. We need to fight for the truth. We need to guard it. We need to protect it and preserve it. Keeping close to Christ and his better will, whenever we stray from the truth we stray from the place of fruitfulness and thriving and blessing we're straying away from the one who is the source of all good things whenever we turn away and do our own thing it's as simple as that so we need to fight this battle for truth in the home and in the church family but we do need to fight it in the world as well not to prove that we're the ones who are right it's not about winning an argument but we do need to fight battle in sensitive and wise, careful ways because other people around us are missing out on knowing their good creator. People are missing out. They're missing out on knowing who he truly is and what he's done for them. So we need to fight for this truth. David last week, he was talking about honoring, preserving and protecting the truth in love. And today's letter that John continues in his subsequent letter, it helps us work this out. We see someone who lives this out, and we can learn from this man called Gaius. Uh, John, the author, the writer of this letter, he was Jesus' best friend. While Jesus was on this planet in human form, he had a bunch of friends, and the closest one was John. And John went on to be, become a leader in the church, and he wrote some letters to the, to the church around. He wrote letters to motivate his friends and the church at large. And he wrote one big letter of five chapters, one what we call one John, he wrote that. Uh, that was to the church at large until a, kind of a general audience. Uh, this is the church in, in, in the Ephesus area. Um, then he wrote a second, um, kind of smaller sub-letter that was to John that David was looking at last week. That was kind of more to the specific church. And he's was another small um, letter, a week call three John, um, to the pastor, to his friend Gaius. And we're just going to read the first half of this. Now, Gaius... It, it, appear to be the same Gaius that Paul talks about in his letters, Romans and the Corinthian church and so on. It's quite a popular name. This is another guy called Gaius. But he's the leader of the church. And we're going to read the first half, the first eight verses. From verse nine to the end, Bob's going to deal with next week. That's more about um, accountability, about standing our ground publicly, fighting this battle for truth in the world around us, making those difficult choices when the Uh, blurred or distorted. Does the battery need changing on this pack? I'll use the hand mic for a minute, if that's all right. While you swap and change. There you go, dude. I can hear my voice disappearing. Suddenly I could only hear it in my ears and not out there. Right. So he's writing to his friend um, Gaius. We're going to read the first eight verses. And this these first eight verses are packed with this word truth. It keeps popping up. Um, Let's read from verse one. It says, the elder, is John, to the beloved Gaius whom I love in truth. There it is. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth As indeed you are walking in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You would do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, We ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Truth, truth, truth. Let me just pray. Lord, we thank you that we know you. We thank you that you've made yourself knowable. Lord, help us as we learn from these few verses here, will you just open our eyes, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our hearts that we may receive this truth, but also that we may walk in it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse one, we've got um, John saying to Gaius is uh, his beloved friend who he loves in truth. That pops up. And then you got in verse three, um, it talks about these other brothers who have testified to Gaius' truth. That's what it says. And uh, what, is, what is it that they've testified to his truth? They saw You just went on there for me just wait. they saw that in verse three, they testified to his truth, which was. And action, there we go, we're back. So, he describes guys to someone he loves in truth, in verse 3, he says, these other brothers have returned to me, reported that, that they, they, they're testifying to your truth, which is what? That verse 3, that he's walking in the truth. We're going to be looking at that. And then right at the end, there's that extra little bit, in verse 8, where it talks about we need to be fellow workers for the truth. And that gives us three aspects we can look at over the next 20 minutes or so. Um, about him being a testimony for the truth. His, his life, not just his mouth, is communicating the good news, communicating the truth. You can look at that. I've got three C's for you. Communicating the truth. How's he doing that? He's doing it by walking in the truth. That's continuing in the truth. We need to persevere in the truth, don't we? So continuing, communicating, continuing. And finally, about being fellow workers for the truth is about being a community for the truth, doing it together, not just alone. So communicating the truth, Continuing in the truth and being a community for the truth. Those three things we're going to look at now. Firstly, communicating the truth. Well, first of all, let's just be sure what, we, what exactly is this truth. Let's be sure what we mean by this word. As mentioned last week, um, Paul writes this little ancient hymn in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's this, this, this ancient hymn that just stirs the, soul, stirs the soul. It just rouses you as you... As it proclaims this simple, clear truth where it says, He, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh. God became human. As if that's not enough to blow your mind. He was manifested in the flesh. God became human. He was vindicated by the Spirit, which means he was proven by being raised from the dead after dying for our sins. Holy Spirit raised him to life again to vindicate him, to prove he was who he said he was. God manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the, in the world, taken up in glory. There is a simple nugget of the gospel right there, the good news of Jesus. God became man to come and rescue us, and he's now gone back home to make a home for us, and one day he'll come back for us. And that truth is something that we as Christians, we are called to live in the light of, to live out loud, if you like. Um, John himself, in his first letter, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, uh, he says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, if our mouths are doing one thing and our manner is doing something opposite, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. If you live in darkness, you're not practicing the truth. So to flip that, if you live in the light... If you're being faithful and obedient, if we're honouring Jesus with our hearts and our minds and our bodies in everyday life, if we're living in the light, we are therefore practising the truth. And so it seems that Gaius here, he was a walking testimony of this. Uh, He lived for Jesus out loud in his conduct as well as his speech and it got noticed because it seems there's been some travelling preachers who were travelling around, sharing the gospel, brothers in Christ, They've been doing that. They're on this kind of itinerant ministry, um, on a mission. And uh, it even says, I think it's in verse 5, he even suggests they were actually strangers to him. Um, Thank you for all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. He didn't even actually know them. They weren't friends. Um, but these people still came back to John and then reported to him all that Gaius had done, that he'd been supporting and encouraging and uh, being hospitable for them as they were journey. Um, It seems even Gaius probably had health issues. Verse 2, John says to him, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. He's like, I know everything's all right with your soul, so I'm praying your body's okay. It's almost He wouldn't have put that if Gaius didn't have physical needs. There seem to be some health issues going on. And yet, despite all that, um, Gaius' simple posture of hospitality and generosity of spirit and so on the stirring of one believer's heart for others as he got to meet them—that was loud and proud and obvious. He just couldn't help but respond in a generous way. He had a hospitable spirit because he knew the hospitable God, and he lived that out. I did on that note. I did hear once about a man who took his dog to a vet, and uh, and the vet was like, uh, "Well, the dog's very healthy. What do you want me to?" What's, what's the problem and he goes I'd like you to remove my dog's tail entirely right down to the, beyond the stump I don't want anything there nothing left and the vet's like that's unethical I can't I'm sorry I can't what why on earth would you ask me to do that I'm, I'm not doing it what, why do you want me to remove your dog's tail completely and he says well my mother-in-law is coming to visit and I want to make sure that nothing in the house makes her feel welcome Gaius was the complete opposite of that man. You like that? Gaius was the complete opposite of that. I love my mother-in-law. She's always welcome. Where are you? I love you. Gaius was the complete opposite of that man. Complete opposite. He just couldn't help but be hospitable and share his life because he had a God who shared his life with him. And these men testified to Gaius's truth that he was living for Jesus out loud, and so they saw that he walked in the truth. He was putting his money where his mouth is, effectively. They saw his actions, and so they saw his heart, and they knew that Jesus dwelled richly in him. And so if we say that we love Jesus, but our choices and our conduct instead say that we are out for ourselves... Uh, that maybe we're jealous or we're disinterested or we just simply lack generosity and so on, people will notice that contrast. People will see that conflict. And we have to ask questions, therefore, if, if that's us, we have to ask questions of what's actually happening in our hearts. I'm giving it all that with my mouth, but my life doesn't always match up to it. Just ask the question, does our manner match our mouths? Because our manner is just as much a witness as what we say with our lips. There's a quote that is um, accredited to St. Francis of Assisi. He never said it. But it's a famous quote that says, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. That is a very unhelpful quote. I'm sorry. It's not helpful at all, because it gives you the get out. You don't really have to preach the gospel as long as you're nice. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, would have hated that. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him? in whom they haven't believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We have to express, pronounce, announce the good news of Jesus out loud with our mouths. We have to speak the truth clearly and regularly and lovingly. Do it clearly, keep it simple, just be aware of Christian language, sometimes even using the word sin. People are like, well, I'm not a sinner, I'm not quite nice. If you start using the word brokenness, we're all a bit broken. We all have a tendency to <laughs> hurt people. They go, oh, yeah, you're right. Just change the language a little bit. Keep it simple. Tell your story. I love going, I love going up to people, like, how's your day? When I'm at the house, how's your how's your day going is my favorite question. Because sometimes you get a whole life story. And sometimes they ask you back. They go, oh, yeah, I've been a great week. You wouldn't believe what happened at church the other day. Sometimes I drop it in. Just little things like that. Just little seeds here and there. You never know where that conversation will go. Keep it simple, tell your story, live it out loud. Do it clearly, do it regularly. Like I say, sowing seeds wherever you go. Uh, some, people can, some Christians can be very annoying in their Christian witness, trying to contrive and crow by Jesus into every conversation, and sometimes it's not invited. We'd have to be careful <laughs> that our manner doesn't act against us as well. The gospel can be offensive by nature, and that's fine. Some people will be offended by it. But that does not give us license to be offensive people, right? Some Christians do offend others by their tone and their personality, and it's that which turns people off, as much as whether or not someone takes a dislike to the truth that we're speaking. So while we go about our everyday lives, let's be like Jesus, not like jerks, right? Just saying, sometimes it happens, doesn't it? Don't worry if someone gets offended at what you're saying. That's the gospel, and that happens. Just don't be the offensive one, if that makes sense. We need to do it, therefore, lovingly as well. So how we live our lives must match up to what comes out of our mouths, or we're immediately undoing what we're saying. And I suggest, therefore, actually, if that's the case, we haven't got ourselves got a full grasp of the beauty of what it is we're preaching. It hasn't taken root in your own heart yet. Dear Moody, he was an American evangelist in the 19th century, and he used to call some people, he used to say, They're the truth translated into shoe leather. I love that. The truth translated into shoe leather. The gospel, the good news of Jesus had seeped so deep into their bones that they just became it out loud. They couldn't help expressing it in their character and their personality and their manner and their actions. One more thing about um, what's happening here. um, About these brothers also are doing the same as what Gaius is doing in terms of their manner as well. Verse 7 um, John says, these brothers, they have gone out for the sake of the name, they've gone to preach the gospel, they're accepting nothing from the Gentiles. The word Gentiles here isn't just you talking about people who aren't Jewish, it's talking about people who aren't believers. Um, these brothers are going out, they're accepting nothing from uh, people who aren't believers, they're just the church to help them on their way, like Gaius is doing. And that's helpful for us to learn that... Um, Sometimes people worry about, what, what are you after? What do you want when you're trying to share the good news or trying to invite me along to a church? meeting? What are you after? What do you want? Do you want my money? All that kind of stuff. Sometimes people do, do do that. It's about not wanting anything from the people around us, but rather we have something priceless to give them, isn't it? yeah amen and that can radically change conversations and people's reactions sometimes I've been asked what are you after what do you want I don't want anything from you I just want to introduce you to the best most amazing person you could ever meet that's all I want and that changes conversations so communicating the gospel big takeaway from this one our lives are a witness if you like that back up or trip up the truth as we speak it out does that make sense um, does Jesus dwell richly in you? Because if so, if we can ensure that the truth of the resurrected Jesus just gets deep into our bones, that will mean that our lives can't help but sing of him in everything that we do, just like Gaius. Communicating the truth. Um, let that truth sink into our bones. It's about walking in the truth. And so continuing in the truth is my second point. Verse 3 um, John says, I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, his spiritual children, are walking in the truth. Living the truth out loud is not a one-off thing. It's not just one choice we made years ago. It's a daily thing. It's an hourly thing, isn't it? To live out in our everyday lives. But how do we do that? Again, it's, it's quite simple. Um... David in Psalm verse 86, verse 11, King David says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Teach me your way, I'll know where to go and what to do. It's quite simple, isn't it? Knowing what God asks of us and then doing it, the more we know God's ways, the more we know who he is, the more we know what he's done, the more we know what he's doing, the more we know what he's promised, and therefore we know what his will is for us in our everyday lives. He, he really does know best, seeking his will and doing it. So it's about following him faithfully, walking in the truth. It is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but how many of us find that easy? No hands go up. <laughs> oh, Ollie nearly did. Well done, you. Yeah. <laughs> Got confused for a minute. There is the battle of temptation to sin. There is a desire for comfort. There is a desire to uh, avoid the better path, but we know it's the harder path, so maybe I'll just stay over here and go this way, don't we? We like our creature comforts. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, Paul said, describes people who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I can see that temptation in my heart. Sometimes I'd just rather a bit of leisure and a bit of pleasure rather than doing the better, harder path Sometimes. It's a danger. There are choices we have to make. You know, it's not, it's not always evil things that entice us away, is it? Some of the more obvious things like harbouring hatred, harbouring unforgiveness, sex outside of its rightful place, whether it's someone you know, in person with someone who's not your spouse or in your head in, with pornography. And Jesus says they're the same thing. Those things are a bit more blatant and hopefully a bit more obvious. Um, and we may still stumble in those areas. If, if that's you, then just know that forgiveness is immediately available in a heartbeat the moment that we repent and run back to Jesus. Amen? Always available. Keep a short account. Keep running back to him. Don't hide in the corner, hide in the dark. But it's not always evil things to avoid. Sometimes it's neutral things and good things can get in the way as well. Neutral things like material goods, stuff. They're okay, they're neutral. What you do with them and how they take a hold in your heart, isn't it? And even good things, like family. It's a good gift from God. But it can eclipse Jesus sometimes, can't it? Now, Jesus isn't asking you to deprive yourself of all nice stuff in life. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what this is about. These, are, these things are gifts from God for our enjoyment and for our gratitude. But if any of those things are more attractive than him in any given moment, and they are more likely to sway us from following him or being obedient in a moment then, Houston, we have a problem. You just need to ask yourselves, where might I be making compromises? What will make me turn away from Christ in a moment when I know what he's asking me to do, but I'd rather do something else? Just know these things and submit them to him. Talk to him about it. So, walking in the truth, continuing in the truth, it's about keeping close to Jesus and our everyday lives then will be naturally shaped by him and will testify to him. So simple things like, don't neglect the word. Keep in the Bible. Get it into your bones. Ask me for help in that if you struggle with that. Ask you know, One of the elders, ask David or Bob, ask someone here you trust. Watch for people who are people of the word and ask them how they do it. They don't always find it easy. It just might look like that to you. Learn off each other. It's about, stu- exactly as David was saying last week, not just reading the Word, studying it. How do I feast on this? You've got a nice plate of lovely food. You don't just look at it, do you? You sniff it, you savour it, you taste it, you eat of it. Eat the lot, clear the plate. And we need to do that with Scripture as well. Don't just glance over it, get into it. And prayer as well. Pray, pray, pray. Ask Holy Spirit to help you. He's your helper. He's been given to us to help us in these moments. Ask for his help to pray. Just remember that prayer is less about talking at God. It's more about bonding with God. And that changes your prayer life. Just practice until it becomes more natural. Again, find people who are people of prayer. Ask for their help. We've all got room to grow in this, haven't we? So, As we do these kind of things, ultimately, the more you see and get close to Jesus the more you want to seek him and the more you want to spend time with him and the more you want to read and study scripture and pray and tell others. If that's not happening right now, it's it's not a guilt thing, it's an appeal, it's an invitation. Seek him and you will find him. And the more you find him, I guarantee the more you want to seek him. It starts feeding itself. But sometimes we have a choice to make. So again, from this second point... The biggest takeaway from this is that continuing in the truth, walking in the truth, it's not about having the right doctrine. It's not about just about having the facts. It's about our everyday lives being shaped by having the right understanding. It's got to be feet on the ground, isn't it? Living it out loud, being obedient. What is he asking me to do here? And doing that leads us to a life of faithfulness, of honesty, of generosity, of kindness, of obedience living it out loud two things I think people here need to, need to hear if you know you're a child of God if you believe that's what the word says and you believe that's true walk like it we don't always if you know you're a child of God walk like one if you know you're forgiven walk like you're forgiven walk in the freedom that, brings, that God has forgiven you walk in the freedom that brings that changes everything And therefore, as we walk, people will notice and our lives become a testimony to his truth that we also have opportunity to share with our mouths. Amen? Third one, a community of truth. Here we go. Because the wonderful thing is, we're not called to do this alone. We have Holy Spirit in us who helps us and we have each other. We are called to community, to journey with Christ in his direction together together. John here is talking about fellow workers for the truth, isn't he? In verse 8. There we have Gaius, he's blessing these strangers, these brothers in Christ, and he's ensuring that even while they're on the road, they're not out of community. In those days, you couldn't go online and book a travel lodge, it didn't work like that. He opened his home up to them, he encouraged and supported and, and housed them. And so, in similar ways, there's something we can learn together that we, we should enjoy cooperating with other Christians who are committed to the same gospel truth. Let's help each other along the way. In Beacon, local church, in the town, across the churches, yeah, across the UK, across the world as well. Um, it's okay to not cooperate with or support people or churches who teach a false gospel. And the second half of this letter, and in fact last week's letter, helps us understand that as well, helpfully addresses that. Here in Home Bay, we, we do connect and we do affiliate with Bible churches. But we do also disassociate ourselves from those who aren't. In order to not be assumed to be endorsing their faulthood by accident, because we affiliate with them, we don't share a platform with them. Um, we've got to keep the truth of the gospel clear. So we have to be careful who we are seen to be associating with as a church. So we are careful about that. Um, again, Bob will talk about that um, I'm assuming next week because of what the next few verses are coming up with. Um, But we will connect and affiliate and support those who preach the same gospel. And our wider family of churches, Relational Mission, does help that. Being part of a family of churches across the world uh, who do support one another with encouragements and money and visits and prayer, but sometimes that can just be assumed that's for the leaders to do and I don't need to get involved. We can all get involved in that. Who's looked at the Relational Mission website? There you go, a couple. Have a look. There's stories on there. People you can pray for. People you would have seen at our RMC weekend a few weeks ago, back in July. That was an opportunity to hear stories from our brothers and sisters who we can support in different ways. Yes, we can give them our money if you want to. Brilliant. Yes, we can visit if you're able to and you want to. Brilliant. If none of those, you can pray for them. We can still support them. And some of those stories and many others are on the the RM website, relationalmission.org, I think it is. Come and have a look. It's brilliant. This is all, if the more of us getting involved, see what God can do. The more of us getting our hands to the pump. Um, we've even got our conference in October in Ipswich, The Call. Some of you might have heard about it. If you haven't heard about it, ask me. Uh, it's a leadership conference, but it's basically anyone who can lead a dog. Can, can, seriously, come, come along. You, you'll be blessed by it. Come and have a chat with me later. Um, some of us are already booked in. That's another opportunity to get to meet these people and to mix and to learn together. Even within Beacon, again though, there is a need to be a community of truth together, isn't it? It keeps us continuing in the faith and therefore communicating the truth as well. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 talks about neglecting to meet together. Such an important line. Sometimes there are reasons to be absent from the body. People, you know, people, this week, we're about half, aren't we, this week, people are away. You're allowed to go on holiday. <laughs> you're allowed to be away. You're allowed to do other things. We don't, we don't keep a register. <laughs> there's grace here, okay? But when life entices us away regularly, and it means we're not connecting in on Sundays and small groups and you know, social uh, opportunities, doing life together and so on. Uh, when, when, you're, when you're drifting to the edges and beyond, there's no Whereas, therefore, spiritually, we, we, you can re- end up running slower and colder. Is it Again, last week, you talked about the ember from the coal from the fire. Um, you take it out. That coal will get cold. The fire will keep raging. Um, you'll almost, if, if you're not engaging and connecting in to the, to the local body, your church family, on a regular basis, you'll almost certainly not be as missionally minded in your everyday life. You won't be as fervent for Jesus over the course of time. Whenever you're not in the body, it does happen. We can run cold, can't we? Being together stirs us. Being together teaches us. Being together creates learning moments for us all. Gives us opportunities to encourage one another, to spur one another on. That also happens in that Hebrews passage. Let's find ways to spur one another on, but you can't do that from a distance. We need to be meeting, don't we? Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has another to lift him up. we we'll be there for each other. We can help each other along the way. When one of us is tripping up, he's stumbling, is having a tough time, we don't have to do it alone. The rest of us can gather around. And it helps us continue in the truth and therefore communicate the truth. It's about looking for opportunities to encourage and to support. Big takeaway from this one. Not just in Beacon, but also the wider church, uh, uh, relational mission, New Frontiers, uh, and so on. Let's spur one another on. Let's find ways to do that. Let's be intentional and conscious in that. I'm going to finish. I'm keeping it nice and brief this morning. But those three, um, those three C's um, from Gaius' life here, doing them backwards, being in a community for the truth. Let's do this together. Let's be intentional and be conscious about that. Let's not be lazy or passive or just forgetful. Let's be intentional on in that. How can we be a community for truth together? And therefore, together, we'll be spurring one another on to continue in the truth, walking in the truth like Gaius, living it out loud, persevering, getting stuck in the Word and praying. And therefore, we won't help being a testimony for the truth, to be communicating the truth. People are missing out on not knowing him. We're part of the family business. We've got a job to do. We've been given the richest treasure available on this planet. And woe betide us if we keep it to ourselves. We've got to share it, haven't we? We've got to share it. I'm going to pray for us. But I was wondering if maybe something's triggered. You just need to make a fresh commitment right now in terms of whatever it might be, getting stuck into the Word, or praying, or encouraging others, and so on and so forth. Um, I'm going to pray, but if you, if you, we don't need to know what, but if you want to commit to seeking help in a certain area where you keep tripping up, um, or you want to come to, just come to him and just like, I just want to start off fresh, I want to make a fresh commitment, I've been... I'll be mucking it up, Lord, I just need your help. Whether it's that, whether it's the smaller aspects, encouraging others, prayer, Bible, whatever it might be. If you're able to, if you want to stand, you don't have to. But if that helps you to stand, to go, God, I'm starting afresh, I need your help. Maybe it's just lifting up your hands, whatever it might be. I'm just going to give you a moment to do that. We won't be looking around. We'll just be concentrating on ourselves for now. If If you want to do that, just your posture sometimes helps, standing or lifting your hands up. Helps you make make that commitment, it kinda helps seal the deal in your heart a little bit before God. Just gonna give you a moment, then I'm gonna pray.